Ross Brand here for LivestreamUniverse.com. Welcome to Livestream Stars. This is the show where we feature talented broadcasters and former all-star baseball players uh, who deliver high-quality content across live stream platforms. And Livestream Stars is brought to you by LivestreamUniverse.com. Check us out online at LivestreamUniverse.com. Makes sense, right? So let's bring in our guest uh, right away. We have a terrific guest tonight. Uh, won 20 games three times in the majors. Was a four-time All-Star. Uh, 288 wins overall. And uh, let's see. Yankees, Dodgers, World Series. Pitched in three World Series. Also played for... Let me see if I get it right, Tommy. You also played for Cleveland, Chicago White Sox, Oakland A's, California Angels. Am I missing anybody? Did you say Oakland A's? I did. Oh, okay. Now, did you yep, play with did you, did you play with Mark McGuire when you were on the A's, or he wasn't there yet? Uh, well, I was on the A's. Mark was in the minor leagues. Okay, because there's a and quote that's. You, a, I'll tell you a quick story. I went sure. down. He was a. Modesto, and I forget the first baseman they had, but it's the greatest left-handed hitting first baseman since I don't know, <laughs> you know. And and they're talking about this guy. I'm pitching at Modesto, and Mark is playing third base. Right. Mark McGuire is playing third base. So in the first inning or second inning, I'm pitching, and Will Clark. We're playing the Fresno Giants. Will Clark's up there, you know, and then. And he goes, boom, and he drops a bunt down to McGuire. Right. You know, and that's cheesy. I, I right. mean, Mark's, Mark's learning, and you're up there, and I look at Will at first base, and I said, you want a base hit that bad? You know, and he just laughed. The next time up, I drilled him. <laughs> and he goes down to first base, and I said, if you want to get on first base that easily to bunt on Mark, I'll, I'll hit you every time. All right, all right. And uh, our manager was a guy named George Mitterwald, and he told his pitchers, guys, you see that? That's that's what you got to do. <laughs> and I just did it because it was not the right thing to do to somebody's learning how to play a position. Right. And, you know, and, and oh, come on, that's just that's sad. Was 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 uh, Will on like a rehab or something? What no, was he, he was doing? Working his way up through the minor leagues, just like Mark. Oh, he hadn't made it yet. Okay. No, no. I think of him as being older than Mark, but maybe he he retired. They were, they were on the same Olympic team. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and I heard a story, and I don't know if this is true or not, but you were a patient of Mark's father. He was your dentist. He was my dentist, yeah. yeah. And so we, that was kind of when you retired. You said when, you're, when your dentist kid is uh, playing in the same game, it's time to go or something no, like I that. when your dentist kid gets two home runs off of you, it's time to leave the game. But, oh, uh, that's a little more dramatic. <laughs> but I stayed around for uh, another year after that, but uh, no. Uh, Mark's dad was a very good dentist. If you look inside my mouth, and I got to make sure, I got to put this in my will that <laughs> when I die, they Mark's dad put a bunch of gold in my mouth. Uh, he did. You know, I had uh, I had a bunch of fillings, and the fillings back in those days were lead. Right, right. And he, oh my God, he said those are the worst. You know, you got to get the lead out of there because they can poison you. And in fact, the uh, the play-by-play guy for the Angels, Bob Starr, 
died of lead poisoning through fillings in his teeth. Wow. And Mark's dad said, you got to get those out. Okay, I'll do it. And um, I, I don't know, he's probably got twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 worth of gold in my mouth, but i got to make sure when I die, they go in there and pull <laughs> those gold out, and then they can make a gold coin and give it to my kids or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Wow. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, the start of your career. Um, I remember you post uh, post surgery. Right. So I I, you you started before I was aware of baseball, before I was born. Uh, And so what I'm wondering is, were you always a sinker ball pitcher from when you first came up or was that something you developed uh, coming back from the surgery? No, I I threw. In all the years I played baseball, uh, almost 30, I had a fastball, I had a curveball. And it wasn't until I got to the uh, White Sox that the pitching coach there was Ray Berry's, taught me how to get on top of the ball and drive it down and make the ball, you know, and get it to sink. Right. Then after, after I hooked up with him in 1965, I was sinker curveball, and that's all I had. And and I told people this the, the other day. I said, do you realize how good I had to be as a pitcher to win 288 games with only two pitches? And my fastball was only 85 to 88 miles an hour, 89 maybe on a real good day. Now, I could mm-hmm. throw harder, but the balls were straight. So right, I, right. I didn't want to throw straight pitches. I, there is any time I threw a ball, I wanted the ball to move. And uh, I, I was just learning my third pitch in 1989. Right. Dave LaPointe was teaching me a changeup. <laughs> oh, his step went way up in the air, right? <laughs> unfortunately, my changeup and my fastball were the same speed, so it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work. You have to have that, to that separation. <laughs> So now, uh, if you were coming up today, right, and you had a fastball that moved but wasn't ninety, would, would you you wouldn't you wouldn't get the pitch? And neither the would like metrics, the Saber Metrics guys, the Friedmans, and those guys that run the ball clubs. They're right. the Harvard uh, uh, computer geeks. No, no. right, it's, right. It's all about speed. How hard do you throw? Uh, I had a kid when I managed the Yankees. He was from Liberty. University. His name was Jason Jones. Right. And I had a, the Yankees put a 75 pitch count on my starters because mm-hmm. and, and, and this was this was well thought out. And, and I told them that. Because they didn't know how much they'd been abused in college. Mm-hmm. And I said, OK, OK, that's good. I'll buy that. But you got to give me pitching up here because my guys couldn't get into the fourth inning. On right. 75 pitches, except Jason Jones. <laughs> right, Jason right. Jones could throw a sinker, could throw a ball away. He had a curveball. He had a little slider, and he had a very, very good changeup. He could pitch every night. He could pitch into the fifth inning, sixth inning, and one game he got one out in the seventh inning on 75 pitches. No manager in the league liked him. Right. He didn't throw hard. He threw 90. 89.90. And they said, if I turn him in as a prospect, I'd lose my job. I said, what? 
I, right. I'd lose my job. Well, what do you mean? Well, we want guys that power the ball. No, 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 excuse me. Their ball is electric in the strike zone. Mm. I and, said, and, okay. Yeah, I mean, they put a big premium now on do you miss bats or not, right? And, of course, if you're going to strike out, that's why guys go five innings. They strike out 12 guys, but they're done in five innings, right? Because they've used they've used up everything or because the rule is you get close to 100 pitches, you're coming, you're coming you're, out. You're coming out. Um, when I was a pitching coach in the Expo organization, I kept a, a, a track of every hitter. If the, if the hitter didn't put the ball in play on the first two pitches, you would see the pitchers, every pitch the pitcher had in his arsenal. Right. And, and I, I asked him, I said, why do you do that? Well, I, I want him to see different things, different looks. And I said, okay, but the third time up, they've seen all your pitches. You have right. nothing to throw to get them out. And, well, uh, I said, why don't you throw fastball, 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 fastball. Well, you got to take their eyes off the ball. No, you don't. You don't have to take their eyes off anything. All you got to do is uh, make them hit the ball on the ground, keep it inside the ballpark, and uh, let your outfielders, infielders make plays for you. Right, right. It's a totally different uh, approach to pitching. And also, I mean, it, it would get in a series, right? You you and Gidry would often pitch back-to-back, right? So it was totally different looks for the hitters. First, they're looking for for a hard fastball and a hard slider, then they have to come back the next day when they're on their toes and try and adjust to a sinker ball or, you know, curveball yeah. or whatever, or vice versa, right? So it, it gave you an advantage in a series to be able to have not every pitcher who threw, uh, you know, 95 miles an hour down the middle, right? Like guys had to actually think about what was coming up and, you know, and sometimes overthink, right? And that got guys off their game when you guys played series against teams. Well, I'm Does that make think, sense? Uh, I'm trying to think when um, when it was, but we had four left-handed starters, Gator, myself, Rudy May, and Tommy Underwood. Right. We went into Fenway Park, and I went seven innings, and I won – I gave up like three runs. I pitched the worst game of the of the three starters Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I gave up three runs and won the game. And I, you know, so left-handed pitchers can win in Fenway. Right. Left-handed pitchers can win any place if you pitch. And you right. Pitch right. Welcome, everybody. We're talking with Tommy John, former Major League Baseball player, former All-Star, member of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are heading to the World Series, and we'll get Tommy's well, thoughts. Well, now. I used to be. You used to be. Dodgers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm not now, because I'd have to be over there taking batting practice. And all that. You, you don't want to head. Otherwise, you could still get the sinker over, right? I mean, you could still... I couldn't get the sinker up to home plate. <laughs> So welcome, Michael Campbell. Welcome, Sarah Weissman. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Jeff Adams is here. Cheval, uh, Cheryl, Nick Rishwain. Uh, I want to ask you a question, actually, Melissa Reyes, uh, Alberto. Uh, I, I want to ask you a question from Nick. He's actually got a younger brother who's uh, 
I believe it's been drafted. Uh, Nick, uh, you can pop into the chat uh, a little bit more information. He's got, he said he's got a little bro at the beginning of his career. How can he preserve his elbow? By working. And not by lifting weights, not by doing deadlifts. Um, if he really wanted to save his elbow and get it to where I would have him uh, Google Dr. Tommy John III. He's in San Diego. He is a chiropractor with a rehabilitation clinic. Have him contact him. And I don't know what Tommy charges for that. But uh, he has kids that he works high school, college, and all this. He had one kid that got a scholarship to University of Hawaii at Hilo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pretty good school. Um, and the first day of practice, they, they had weights. And this kid never worked on weights. They worked body weights. Can, um, he could stand on one leg for like 10 minutes. And then go to the other leg for 10 minutes. And that's what my son has you do. Um, support your body weight. You can, you can throw, but your body has to be, it's got to be strong to absorb the force of throwing. And you can't throw all year round. And I threw a ball every day. Uh, this was after surgery. Every day that I was out on the baseball field, I threw a baseball off the mound to a catcher at home plate. Now, I didn't pitch, but mm-hmm. I threw a ball. I threw a ball. I threw a ball. And um, I did it the day after I pitched, the two days that were my work days in between the day before I pitched. And I threw, I pitched. Five days rest, four days rest, three days rest. I pitched out of the bullpen. In fact, the last time uh, the Yankees-Dodgers played in the World Series was 81. And I pitched, uh, started game two, went seven innings. uh, Pitched two and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen in game four. And then came back and started game six. So, you know, throwing a lot will not hurt your arm if your arm and body are in shape to absorb it. Mm. And so balance and and leverage and, and all strength. that. Yeah, you body strength. Have, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my son said, if he said, if I had a kid and he came to me and, and was going to work and wanted to be a ball player, wanted to be a pitcher, the first two years we wouldn't throw a baseball. All we would right. do is work on strength and body strength, body flexibility, body this and that. And uh, I, I'm trying to get Tommy in contact with Sandy Alderson because whoever's <laughs> doing the Met pitching, it doesn't know their hind end from third base because are the, are the strength for that. Cause, <laughs> you know, they've got guys dropping like flies and it's because they aren't up to how to get their body strong. But I would get in touch with Tommy John, the first San Diego, California, and get in touch with him and he'll, he'll put you on the right track. Yeah, Nick says his uh, brother was drafted in 2016 by the Washington uh, Nationals. Um, Are you do you do you favor the pitch count limits for younger pitchers, uh, pitchers below the age of 25? I know that's was big with the Sabermetric 
folks that, you know, before somebody gets this 25 years old, if they throw more innings, I don't know, they studied it. Like if you throw X number of innings before 25, you have greater risk of developing arm trouble. Do you, do you buy any of that or? No. Okay. So like the Yankees, for instance, baby well, Java it, Chamberlain. It, it, it depends. Oh, they screwed him. They should have had a condom. That's how bad it was with him. But that's how bad they screwed that kid. Yeah. J- Jabba rules. Come right, on. right. Was he going to be a closer? Was he going to be a starter? Whatever. The kid what he was going to be. And as a result, it, it, it hurt him. And I just saw uh, the other day that he called it quits. I, I forget where it was, but he bounced around or whatever. But uh, I, I just think that... Um, you know, what these guys were doing, I know I got into a uh, discussion about this with the Washington Nationals and uh, about Strasburg. Right. You know, the year he came back and he's pitching and the Nationals are going to win and they shut him down. And um, my thing was why? Well, mm-hmm. we don't want him. He's got 160 innings, and uh, you know we we don't want him to uh, get uh, hurt and all this. And uh, statistics has proven. I said the year after I the year after I had my surgery, I, th- I think I pitched 209 innings. Oh, but that was back then. What? what it's it, you know. What the, and I said I I tell you why. Scott Boris didn't want his guy. Scott Boris wanted to make about twenty, thirty million in right. in uh, in agent fees, so Strasburg can sign two or three or four big contracts. And uh, the other thing, Rizzo had to do what Scott Boris wanted, because Boris controlled about twelve or thirteen players on the national team. Think about that. Right. If you want to find out where the power of baseball lives, follow the money trail. It's the same as anything. Follow the money right, trail. Right. The agents control baseball because they control the money. Mm. And when they control too many players on one team, they have uh, disproportionate power over what happens, right? Well, yeah, here's, here's, how, here's how I found out about this. We had a player when I was with the Expos, uh, and I forget it was infield or outfield. I don't know. But right. they signed him. Kid, kid, kid was terrible. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And I told our head of our farm system, a guy named Adam Wogan. I said, Adam, why did we sign this guy? God, there's got to be better guys. Oh, well, his agent, his agent has about <laughs> eight or ten good arms that we may want someday. And if we didn't take the kid now, he would. He would pass on us down the road. I said, so you mean to tell me that an agent controls how you, he says, well, yeah. And that's when, uh, that's when the manager of our ball club said, TJ, follow the money, buddy. (laughs) Follow the money. We got a question here from uh, Michael Campbell about what looks to be successful way of handling uh, an injury situation, or at least recently it does. He asked, what do you think about the way Tanaka has managed his injury? I mean, he was phenomenal in the playoffs, but he, he had kind of a really well, up and down had, year. 
what did he have? I, I don't even know what the guy, what the kid had. I, I mean, I don't know what I, I you did know, honest Tommy John surgery. Or I, he I didn't. Know. He didn't. I think he was a candidate for some type of arm surgery and he didn't have it. But I'm not I'm not positive. He took some time off for a while and then he came back and he was sort of up and down during the year. But man, was he he amazing during the playoffs. I, I don't uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he went back over to Japan and got some Japanese joy juice. <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> so tell us about um, you came back. You said you threw a, you threw a lot, right? Mm-hmm. When you were working your way back, um, you must have had to do some things differently, right? When you first nope. started pitching again, nope, nope. So, so nope. you went back to being the same pitcher that you were exactly before the injury. The yep, that's the first thing I told our pitching coach, Red Adams, with the Dodgers. I said, Red Dog. When I'm throwing out there, make sure I'm throwing the ball exactly the same way I did before. He pulled out his his little notebook, and he says, what does it say right here? Keep an eye on TJ. And I said, good, thank you very much. We're on the same page. Thanks, Red. And, no, I because I there was the old thing, Dizzy Dean hurt his shoulder or something. No, broke a toe. with A guy hit a line drive in the All-Star game, but broke a toe, came back, and – altered his pitching then he hurt his shoulder and he's gone from baseball and my dad told me that story when i was a little boy and i remember that and now you want it to be exactly the same if it's not the same then you're right cheval john asks um why do you think managers overmanage during the playoffs sabermetric mm-hmm. it's all the book right well They've got their binder, and the binder says, if you <laughs> this guy hits by, this guy. If you manage by the book, mm-hmm. the guys up in the office can't fault you. But if you manage by your gut instinct, now you lay yourself open for the second guess. Right, right. Now, with, with guys who throw hard, and if they're inaccurate in their first couple of pitches, you can tell that they're – can you tell right away if a guy who throws hard is going to have trouble – Locating his fastball, or you can't always tell right away. Most of them can't locate. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, do you play golf? I don't. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> uh, um, if you try to hit the ball as hard as you can, you can't hit it where you want to. Right, right. Pitching's the same way. If you try and throw it as hard as you can, you can't throw it where you want to. I mean, I've seen, look at the catchers. The catchers will give a target low and away, boom. Right. And the ball will be up and in. Well, the pitcher missed by four feet, but it was 98. You know, mm-hmm. and, and now maybe if that was 94, 93, the ball might have been low and away. It's just guys that throw hard, to me, you throw the ball high or low, and in and out has got to be hard for them. Right, right. So it's it's get them get them to climb the ladder or get them yeah. to swing at something in the dirt after throwing a pitch a little bit above that, right? So Clayton Kershaw does that as about as well as anybody. Right, right. Now do you follow do you still follow the Dodgers? Are you a, a fan of the Dodgers, a fan of the Yankees? Keep impartial. Going. Keep going. <laughs> Chicago, Cleveland. Keep going. Keep going. Oakland? No. California Angels? No. Well, Are I you... follow Sosha. 
Okay. I don't follow baseball. I, uh, the guys that play baseball now, I don't think they appreciate the game. Mm-hmm. They, they don't appreciate what God has given them, which is a great body, a chance to play the greatest game ever, to make $25 million or $10 million or $8 million or whatever. Right. And, you know, they're all the time pumping their hearts and pointing and, you know, kissing and all that stuff. Just flip their bat like Twig does. Twig, Twig would never play back in my era. Bob Gibson would have thrown a ball right in his neck. And Drysdale would have, well, Drysdale and Twig would have been on the same team. But right. it's just play the game. Right, you know, right. Boom. If you can hit the ball out of the ballpark. I don't care how. That's your job as a hitter is to right. hit the ball. Don't give me that fancy damn stuff down there and I just uh, Plus, the other thing, games are so long anymore. My God. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Gee yeah. whiz. Oh. What the the game the other night? Game the other night was four hours and fifteen minutes, nine innings. Right. You got to be kidding me! You got to be kidding me! Yeah, it's long. <laughs> what are you hearing about the uh, the Hall of Fame? I believe you have more wins than anyone since nineteen hundred who's not in the Hall of Fame and hasn't been tainted by. Uh, Steroids, uh, i.e., yeah, more than anyone except yeah, Roger Clemens. Yeah, yeah. They haven't <laughs> caught me yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, when I was managing in Bridgeport, um, we had a thing, uh, Memorial Day, honoring the veterans and all that. And there was a congressman named Chris Shays who headed up the uh, PEDs. You know, they had Clemens and all those guys, Will right. Clark and all that. And um, I told him, I said, Chris, who did your makeup? God, it was great. You looked, <laughs> you looked outstanding. You know, I, oh, he said, we didn't have makeup. You didn't? Man, that was great. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, I just want to say the thing on Clemens. You guys deposed the wrong guy on Clemens. Well, who should we have deposed? I said, you should have hired me. And he laughed and he said, well, what what should we have done? I said, you should have deposed Dan Duquette. Who's he? I said, he was the Boston general manager that didn't offer Clemens a contract. Mm -hmm. And they let him go. Why'd Why'd they do that? They felt he lost his fastball. So he goes up to Toronto. I'm not saying Roger did, didn't, or whatever, but he went up there, hooked up with McNamee, the trainer, mm. and he gained five, six miles an hour, seven, seven miles an hour onto his fastball. Can't be done at his age. Can't be done. Right, and right. Shea says, really? Geez, I, boy, that's nice to know. And I said, who does your research? You know? <laughs> Well, we have our, our, you know, I said, okay, but you still look good, Chris. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that did seem like a, a, a miracle that a guy, uh, uh, Clemens age went to Toronto and was all of a sudden having the best seasons of his life and then well, continued yeah, yeah. and then yeah. continued throwing that hard, uh, till 45 or 46. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying Roger took it or didn't take it or whatever, 
But I'm just saying, as a ball player, you don't gain you don't gain that um, at however old he was, thirty-seven, eight, or whatever it was. It, right, it just right. doesn't happen. And not saying that you can't pick up a mile or two, but not five or six. Like not after did. thirty, right? No, Maybe no. one or two or no. something, yeah. but no. Yeah. <laughs> So um, if you do get elected to the Hall of Fame and they ask your opinion, do you have a thought on which uh, which hat you would wear? I which don't team? Get a choice. You don't get a choice. Thanks, they don't. Rich, thanks to Reggie Jackson and Dave Winfield um, and Wade Boggs going in as a Tampa Bay Devil, right? <laughs> well, he doesn't have a choice. The Hall of Fame picks your hat. Right, right. And Reggie and Winfield sold their hats to the Dodgers in San Diego. And so they got paid huge bucks and the Hall of Fame said, we're not here to promote, you know, that. So that's, I don't have a choice. Whoever, if the, if, it, it doesn't make any difference. It wouldn't make any If they asked your opinion, would you give any input or no, you'd say just well, throw on? I think people probably remembered me more as a Yankee because that, that, that mm-hmm. was the last team, the last four years I played, but you know, the White Sox, would, I would be perfectly happy with the White Sox because that's where I learned how to pitch. The Dodgers, that's where I pitched exceptionally well, and that's where Tommy John's surgery happened right, with right. the Dodgers. But uh, uh, it doesn't make any difference. And, and you know what? If getting into the Hall of Fame made me a two- or three-handicap golfer, I'd be politicking the heck out of me. I'd get Bernie <laughs> Sanders people to go in there and politic for me. <laughs> so you're not you're not sitting on the edge of your uh, your nope. chair waiting for the phone call. Nope. Um, when you look at um, the way baseball has has changed, um, what else is there? Anything else that you're either happy about or really frustrated with when you look at the game today? I don't look at the game today. You don't look at the game? No. No, I, I don't really. I, you know, you know they, they ask. Uh, I saw a thing on Facebook. I think the Mets today signed a guy named Mickey Calloway as their manager. And I said, who's Mickey Calloway? I have no idea. It's news to me. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I don't, uh, you know, I, no. I just, uh, the game has gotten... You've got non-baseball guys running a game of baseball, telling baseball people how to play the game, and right, uh, right. that's why we've created all this all this garbage that we have out there now. What do you attribute for being able to pitch until age forty-six um, and and pitch pretty well, like all the way, pretty much up to the end? You you came back. It seemed like every year the Yankees called you, uh, you know, a couple months into the season and said, "Uh oh, we need a starter. And next thing you know, you're you're like a front of the rotation guy for the Yankees. Um, what do you attribute that that to? Um, clearly, Tommy John surgery doesn't give you a stronger arm or allow you to pitch longer or anything like that. I remember there was always some announcer saying, oh, the guy with the bionic arm is coming out or whatever. But that's. That, that's not how it works, right? <laughs> well, Tommy John surgery doesn't make you throw harder. All it does, all it does is it it corrects a flaw. Mm-hmm. You have a flaw in your elbow. 
the surgery corrects that. After that, it's up to you. Um, I consider, if I had to say any one thing, my mom and dad. Right. Good genes. Mm-hmm. I took care of myself. I ran a lot. I, I worked out a lot. I didn't uh, drink or whatever. I, I just, uh, I, I didn't do that. Uh, the biggest evil I did in baseball was play golf in the mornings. And um, managers, Billy Martin, Gene Mock, Gene Mock, I'm going to get you. It's a $1,000 fine. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I said, Gino, you will never get me. Here's why. One, I don't play the fancy private country clubs that you're always in. I don't do it. I play daily fee courses. Secondly, I play early in the morning, and your VO hangover hasn't worn off yet. So I'll be back in the hotel by the time you're up getting that hangover. You used to tick him off. And then I'd come to the ballpark, and I'd have a golf glove sticking out of my pocket and a, and a tee in my ear. <laughs> and uh, I, I would just do that just to piss Gene off. <laughs> I guess when you're coming off winning 20 games uh, three times or whatever, he he there's only so far he can go, right? I mean, he well, needs you. No, he was Gene was a genius. He said, right. "There's nothing in baseball I have not seen nor thought of." Right. And I looked at him and I said, "Really?" He said, "Yes." And I said, "Then you, you can die right now, can't you?" <laughs> and I so, turned around, and walked away. But Gene was a genius. Mm-hmm. But he never won, did he? He didn't. You know why? He didn't understand the one thing that makes managers winners. Pitching. Mm-hmm. Pitchers were initiators of action. He said, I could, I could manage a baseball game with a pitching machine. When the ball's put in play, that's when the game starts. That's when you go here and you do this and you do that. He never understood that. And I, I did a thing on Facebook the other day. I commented on, um, they were talking about, uh, oh, it was Andy Hassler's birthday. I said, yeah, I remember we're in Milwaukee. We've got a two game to none lead. All we got to do is win one game. We've got a three to two lead. Cecil Cooper is hitting with two guys on base. Andy Hassel is warming up in the bullpen. We're waiting for the genius to come out to the mound and give the <laughs> left-hand signal. He didn't. And uh, Louis Sanchez was on the mound. He threw, boom, Cooper hit a single to left center or double, drove in two runs. They're up, they're up three to uh, four to three. And we lost. And we ended up losing the next day and ended up losing the next day. And he had a chance to win, but he wouldn't bring. And, and his reasoning is, if I brought Hassler in, I knew he was going to walk guys. Well, that's not the way you think. You bring the guy in because you got a lefty against a lefty. Right. But that was the genius. And that's why hmm. he never won. Hmm. He figured he knew what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he he could manage his way out of all that, but you can't. You have to let the players play. 
Right, right. Well, speaking of that, I, I got to say, growing up as a Yankee fan, um, one of, uh, well, the Yankees lost to the Red Sox after being up 3-0 in 2004, so it no longer is uh, as bad a moment for me. But I was a little kid, and I couldn't imagine when you were pinch hit for in the fourth <laughs> inning of uh, Game 6 against yeah. the Dodgers. The Yankees had been up 2-0. They lost three games in a row. I believe they had the lead in all three. Uh, they might have even had the lead that night. And I think Bob Lemon panicked, right? Uh, no. And he, no. No? No. No. And you never criticized. Uh, you never criticized him. I, as I remember, you were, like, really cool about it and just, hey, he's the manager. He made a decision. He's trying to win. Here's why he didn't panic. Every day before the game, Steinbrenner would have a coach's manager. They would have, and I, I knew this because Doug Melvin was our eye in the sky, and he was in on these meetings. And, right. Um, he said, you know why he pinch hit for you? I said, no. He said, because the boss wanted him to get a lead early in the game and then go to the bullpen and win it out of the bullpen. Mm. And Lim being a good soldier that, that he was had a chance to get a lead. It, it was tied one-to-one -one in the bottom of the fourth. I'd given up my first run in 13 innings in the top of the fourth and um, pinch hit for me. And the rest is history. I think we ended up losing like nine to three. Got fired anyway. Lem got fired anyway, yeah, right? He's going to get fired. He's going to get fired. Where, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and had Billy Martin not been killed Christmas Day, whatever year that was, Billy would have been the, uh, another manager. I mean, it's like Billy did stuff for George to fire him. George would fire him, and then Billy would come in and start crying, and George would hire him back, and then he'd do this, and then he'd fire him again. And, you know, it was just those guys had a love-hate relationship. What was it like playing for Steinbrenner and all that? Okay. He was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Signed the checks. <laughs> he overpaid. Right, right. You know? As long as he overpaid, you weren't complaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are interesting, interesting, interesting times. Um, any uh, any players from that era that you're still, you know, you're still close with or you still talk to? No. Not much. I see, uh, you know, this is going to sound funny. When I played baseball, when I was in the game, my teammates weren't my friends. Right, right. People from our church were, neighbors were, and all mm -hmm. that. But I, I never have because uh, there's so much rivalry in the game and all that. You know, I, I mean, I'd go out and play golf with them and that now and then. But, you know, I saw Rick Roden the other uh, night at Tommy Lasorda's 90th birthday party. Right. Lo I, I love Roden. What a, what a great guy he is. And, uh, you know, but that's I saw him, and the next time I see him, and I, I don't know when it'll be, but, no, we don't keep – Matty Lee and I were, were friends, mm -hmm. uh, you know, both being from, uh, from Indiana. But um, – now, I just, uh, I see him, you know, and I, I like the other day in the, in the Walmart, uh, we were going through Walmart and I saw this guy and I yelled at him. It was Ron Fairley. 
<laughs> wow, there's and a blast from the past. And I don't know how long. And, um, you know, and, and uh, oh, we've hugged and talked and both lives and all that stuff. But, uh, in fact, Cheryl Zeldin, Cheryl was there and she was saying, now, who was that? I said, Ron Fairley. He says, well, he's awfully short, isn't he? And I said, yeah, well, he was a short, stocky outfielder, but he could hit. Right. And he was, uh, he was a good broadcaster. When I was with the Angels, he was broadcasting with the Angels. Wow. Now, have you been um, – it's been a while, right, that you've been back for uh, Old Timers Day with the Yankees? I don't get invited back anymore. Why not? I don't go to – I don't I, – I got disinvited to um, – Fantasy camps. I have oh. a class action suit going on, and um, you aren't suing the Yankees. You, it, it's the suit is against the insurance company. Mm-hmm. But the Yankees take it that I am, I am suing them, so I don't get invited back. And I just ask people this: if I get in the Hall of Fame, and and they give me the Yankee hat to wear, will they then? invite me back to old timers day. Hmm. I hope they do. Cause I want to tell them to take it and stick it. Uh, wow. Now I have if, no, I, I mean, Tommy John might be the easiest guy in the world to get along with, but, uh, I, I never got in invited back to the Yankee old timers day. I did when they opened the new Yankee stadium. Right. I got invited for that. And the reason being, the, the girl that does it, a girl named Debbie Tymon, uh, she got mad at me because um, we had a, um, I did a lot of work with ALS. Right. And um, it was 4th of July. It was Lou Gehrig's birthday. Right. And so they had a big ALS thing. And ALS asked Debbie if, my son Taylor could sing the anthem. And she said, no, we've got the West Point Glee Club or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, they're already booked. So my wife gets on the phone, calls the boss. What? Ah, I'll take care of that. Boom. Never got invited back after that. Mm. I was flushed down the toilet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cuz e- every year I wonder like where's Tommy John and where's Greg Nettles? They were pretty darn big parts of the Yankees uh, from, you know, late 70s to you know, mid know to late that. 80s and I yeah, never I see either one is. of you. Yeah, I I don't know who he ticked off. I know <laughs> I ticked off So now when I was uh got finally got a chance to pitch when I was in 4th grade, I think. Um, I, I had been on a team that wasn't too good with a lot of older players. And by the end of the year, they were like, okay, let's give this kid a chance to pitch. And I tried to imitate, even though I was a righty, I tried to imitate your motion and sinker ball. And so I'll ask you a question. Sinker ball go with the laces and the thumb on the bottom lace, or was I just thinking that that's what it was supposed to do? I don't think it ever sunk, but... (laughs) The, you throw it with two seams, and I threw mine. My thumb was up. You know, if you draw a line down from top to bottom, my thumb was about 
12 o'clock, 6 o'clock, mine was about 5, where the, where the 5 is, okay. or halfway between 4 and 5. And then you that way, and you get the ball in it, and it gets spin that way. And I, uh, I don't think I ever really got the spin, but the yeah. motion was good. You know, I tried my best to copy your motion, uh-huh. and I, I I think I pitched three innings one game and four innings the other, and only gave up one hit in each. Uh, I'd like to say it led to something great, but by seventh grade they had moved the mounds back, and the fastball wasn't. <laughs> wasn't all that fast and I wasn't any taller. I've been there and done that one. (laughs) (laughs) But I was doing my best Tommy John at that time, trying from the right-handed side to throw a sinker ball. I I think it was really just like, you know, whatever was a kid's fastball and a changeup. But (laughs) I had in my mind the way I had in my mind the way they explained it on TV. And I'm thinking, okay, it's with the laces. I don't know. <laughs> so, where did you grow up? What's uh, I, I grew up in New Jersey in uh, Westfield. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeff Torborg's hometown. Yes, yes. Barney Tracy's hometown. I don't know Barney Tracy. Uh, Barney I remember Tracy. seeing Jeff Torborg around town actually, and then Barney he was Tracy was a cop, and he he solved a case. Oh, it was a big case. And he solved it. He was he was the cop. Uh, uh, we were watching forensic files. Oh, was it the list the, case? The list. That's it. The guy that was like the, the famous case. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Barney Tracy. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> I just you know threw that in. Did you live in New Jersey when you played for the Yankees? Yeah. Or yeah, I lived up in Bergen County. Right. Right. Yeah. I lived where the Real Housewives lived. My first time. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't doing reality shows back then. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> um, talk about this is a very interesting thing. So you were the valedictorian of your high school class, and okay. you you didn't get to give the speech because uh, at that time you had a speech impediment, which I can't detect at all now. So they invited you back fifty three years later uh, to give to finally give. The speech. Talk about how you, you know, you overcame, uh, you overcame that and got comfortable doing speaking, and then you know you went on to do radio and TV and all sorts of things. I did a thing for Doctor Job after he passed away at Dodger Stadium. They had a honor Frank Job Day, and so I gave one of the eulogies. And um, when we got done, there was a reporter named uh, or a broadcaster was Ben Scully's side. Right guy named Ross Porter. Mm-hmm. He said, Tommy, that was so good. He said, God, that was really good. It came from your heart and all this. He said, you didn't stutter. What did you do? And I said, and I started all the way up. Uh, in fact, one of our pitchers uh, on the Dodgers bought director's chairs for all the starters. And uh, it had Sut, it had Raul, Doug Raul, mm-hmm. had uh, Mess, Andy Messersmith, and mine was TTTTJ. Oh, that's and, awful. And uh, Dusty Baker knew who it was that did it, and Dusty wanted to kill him. And I said, nah, don't, you know, it's, uh, but the minute I said, screw it, I don't care, I quit stuttering. Wow. 
I took no, mm. I, I took no, no classes, nothing. I had no, nothing. I just uh, held it. Wow. That, that's not right that they didn't let you give the speech. You were the valedictorian. You earned the right to give that speech if you... Uh... Well, they, let a, they let a kid named David Duggar do it. And David Duggar was in the thes, was a thespian. <laughs> and he had these big bucky uh, beaver front teeth, and he, and he talked with lift, lift like that, you know. And, and uh, I told the uh, superintendent of schools, he said, they didn't let you. And I said, no. You know, he said, if we do that now, we'd be sued. Yeah. I said, hey, I, I knew I was going to play baseball. I wanted <laughs> to get graduation over. I wanted to get out to the graduation party, see all my friends, say goodbye, and get back and start packing my suitcase. Right, right. <laughs> you know, the other thing from from when you played, I don't remember players getting interviewed all that often, right? I mean, now every single game, post-game, they go into the locker room, and you hear from, like, you know, everybody everybody on the team, the, the assistant trainer, everybody's got that five minutes in front of the, the, the core of press. But at that time, like, you read players' comments in the paper if you, you heard what yeah. players had to think about their game. So as a, as a fan, and obviously I was young at the time, but I was totally unaware. I mean, because I, I don't recall very often seeing any of the players that I rooted for on the Yankees being interviewed. It just wasn't the, the everyday thing. Like, now every single, after every game, they go into the locker room and you hear from, like, eight different players. Well, it's... Um... You know, they would come out and interview you maybe before the game, uh, if there was a big series coming up or whatever. But um, it was, you know, not that big of a thing. Right, you know? right. And now, now, my God, uh, you know, so-and-so passed gas last night. <laughs> oh, we've got to have his, uh, an MRI of his colon. He's probably got some blockage down there, you know, but that's what it is now. It's all about, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's, that part is better because mm-hmm. this is what the Dodgers taught us. Newspaper is free advertisement. Right. And if you just, uh, and, and, and say something to a, a reporter, I mean, you know, the guy can, uh, can squelch you and, and the team, Right. But if you're good to them and give the quotes they want and, and uh, this, you get these, especially back then, you, you get these great write-ups and they're trying to sell tickets and mm-hmm. that's how you get people out to the game. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending an hour. It's been uh, wonderful talking to you and, and hearing so many, uh, so many great stories and, and getting your, uh, you, you've had a remarkable life and career and uh, it's an honor to talk to you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That's Tom. When you're having fun. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Tommy John, thank you so much.